You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. Today on the podcast, we are going to discuss my leftover thoughts, talk to banged-up Bills about the injury situation, I've got predictions for Sunday to share, and of course, NFL Draft prospects to watch on Saturday. Now, before I get into my leftover thoughts, we do have a Tailgate Talk episode coming your way tomorrow. I'll be joined by Kristen Kimmick of Bills Mafia Babes and uh, a big presence in the Bill's social media community. She does a lot of cool stuff, and I'm looking forward to chatting with her on this Saturday podcast, so don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Kristen Kimmick and I tomorrow on Tailgate Talk. Now, to kick off my leftover thoughts, I want to address a few newsy items and then talk about some big picture stuff. First of all, the Bills lost another one of their 2021 draft picks because They were signed off of the practice squad. Cornerback Rashard Wild Goose was signed by the New York Jets to their active roster off of the Bills practice squad. And just like Jack Anderson to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Bills lose out on another one of their draft picks because of them being on the practice squad and another team signing them to their active roster. Obviously, there is a level of disappointment that exists because you no longer have the opportunity to continue working with a young, talented football player that had some intriguing upside given how he was used at Wisconsin and the versatility, the athletic profile, the physicality that he plays with, but that's kind of the nature of the business. You have a deep, talented roster. You're trying to stash players on the practice squad, and other teams that aren't doing so hot would like to have them. And so I think that's why you see teams like the Eagles and the Jets looking to pluck players off of the Bills practice squad. Now, the other side of the coin is that we should be happy for Richard Wild Goose. He's on an active roster. He's going to make a lot more money, and he'll have a lot more opportunity in front of him to actually play. And so it's a loss for the Bills, but for Wild Goose as a person, you know, he certainly is going to have more opportunity, more chances to uh, make an impact with the Jets. And, of course, that means he'll have a greater opportunity to extend his career and, you know, really make a name for himself. So good for him, bad for the Bills. Now, a bit of very unfortunate news hit literally while I was recording this podcast, and so I'm kind of going back and inserting this analysis, but we have to talk about Bill's right tackle, Spencer Brown, being placed on the COVID list, and he joins Starla Tulele on the COVID list. And as it pertains to Star, I think that the protected practice squad designations of both Eli Anquo and Brandon Bryant, who are on the practice squad defensive tackles, is a pretty strong indicator that he's not going to be available this week. And I'm concerned about his availability for Thursday against the Saints. And we're talking about two really good offensive lines, two really good running back situations over the next couple of weeks, and you definitely wouldn't prefer to be missing anyone, but but in particular, Star Lotulade. Now, Spencer Brown joins him on the COVID list. And 
What we know about the COVID list is that you can land on the list by testing positive or as a close contact. And the amount of time that you have to remain out is dictated by whether or not you're vaccinated or not. If you're vaccinated with no symptoms, you can have two negative tests in 24 hours in return. And so that is a possibility for Spencer Brown. If he's not vaccinated, no matter what, he has to be out for 10 days before he's eligible to return. I don't want to speculate, and it could go any way. I would guess the Bills are going to be without Spencer Brown on Sunday. And that's so disappointing because we really have come to learn and understand just how important Spencer Brown is to this offensive line. I even tweeted out some statistics this week about the Bills with and without Spencer Brown and how good the offensive production is with him and how it takes a dip without him. Now, the Bills' production without him is still really good, but not nearly as dynamic as they are with him in the lineup. And obviously, it allows Daryl Williams to go to right guard and you get better at two spots. Well, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case against the Colts and maybe longer. Here's the good news if there is any. This is not a situation that the Bills haven't been in before. They have had to adjust on the fly when it comes to the offensive line. They've dealt with not having Spencer Brown. They've seen what's happened when he's not in the lineup, and they should be able to adjust and come up with the right idea. And I've seen a lot of different things floated out there. Ryan Bates, Cody Ford, Jamil Douglas, Tommy Doyle. There are options. And the Bills, having been through this experience a number of times now, you'd like to think that they've learned quite a bit about the previous situations and can make the right choice this time around. But yeah, this is definitely something that makes me nervous. It's going to have an impact on this game. It could have an impact on multiple games. You hate to see it, but this is the world we live in. These are the dynamics that existed with this season. And you never know when it's going to be your turn. You never know when you're just going to be going through your workday on a Thursday and find out that your starting right tackle can't play. Other teams have dealt with this as well. Hopefully the Bills can string it together and figure things out and don't allow the loss of Spencer Brown against a good defensive line to wreck their game plan, but... We've seen that happen before. We saw that against Jacksonville. You have very middling defensive linemen taking advantage of the Bills' reserve offensive linemen. What's going to be different this time around? Hopefully, they've at least learned from their experience and can be in better position to handle it this time and don't allow for the Bills' offense to completely fall off the rails because you had to make some adjustments with your offensive line. It's meaningful. I'm not trying to mitigate it. I'm just trying to find that silver lining. And my hope for the Bills being able to stay the course here and build off of what they showed against the Jets and not take a big step back and be good enough to beat the Colts, it stems from them having been in this position before and hopefully being able to handle it better this time around. The same can be really applied to the situation at defensive tackle with Star Latulale where they didn't have him last week and you know things kind of happen very unexpectedly with not having star and 
All of a sudden, Harrison Phillips is playing more, and you're using F.A. Obata down on the interior. And so they strung that together and kind of figured it out, and it worked. And I think that experience will help them this time around should they not have him again. So you hear those buzzy phrases about how there are no losses, there's only lessons. Well, let's see if they learned a lesson about how to deal with not having Spencer Brown and you know can continue to uh, make it work without Star. Now, I want to transition into my bigger picture thoughts here and examine the stretch ahead for the Buffalo Bills. Things really stiffen up when it comes to this uh, this schedule. The Bills have the Colts on Sunday, a short week into a road game on Thanksgiving against the New Orleans Saints. Then they're back home for Monday Night Football against the Patriots and then on the road against Tampa Bay. I mean, that is a tough stretch of game. It's a defining stretch of games for the Bills this season. Then after Tampa, they come back home and host the Carolina Panthers, who have a really good defense. And then they go to New England. The next six games here is going to play a big role in where the Bills slot come playoff time. Now, they close out the season with two home games against the Falcons and Jets. You'll love to see that. But Colts, Saints, Patriots, Bucks, Panthers, Patriots, that's what's ahead for the Buffalo Bills. And I feel like it's that time of year again where I find myself saying, do it or don't. If you were around for my first season doing this podcast back in 2019, the Thanksgiving week was when I embraced that mindset. The Bills entered the game 8-3. and three. People were calling them paper tigers. You know, who have they beat? They're 8-3, and three, but who have they played? And then they showed up in a big way against Dallas and put on a show on national TV. Then they played Baltimore close before beating Pittsburgh, improving to 10-4 and four and clinching a playoff spot. Last year, I embraced the do-it-or-don't mentality right after the Cardinals game. The Bills fell to 7-3. and three. They needed to go on a run and answer questions about the defense and the rushing attack last year. Well, how'd they respond? They won six in a row. They were the hottest team in football entering the playoffs. They won two playoff games before eventually falling in the AFC Championship game. And so I'm not sure how all of that makes you feel when you consider where this team's at, what's ahead, and what they're capable of achieving this year. But I'm excited. I want to see what this team does. They get to define their season. We know what they're capable of. And I understand that there might be some nervousness, but it's do it or don't time. The Bills bounce back in a big way against the Jets. Now it's time to go on a run. There could be some bumps along the way, but the Buffalo Bills remain in control of their own destiny, and we are about to enter a defining stretch of the season, and I can't wait to see how it plays out because I like the makeup of this team. I like the quarterback. I like the passing attack. This defense is unbelievable. You've got great coaches. I like what this team has. And so I'm excited to see them go on a run and really define who the 2021 Buffalo Bills are 
and I can't wait to talk it through with you here on the Locked On Bills podcast. So we got a lot of great discussion coming your way the rest of the way as meaningful, and I mean really meaningful football, is upon us, and it's time for the Bills to realize the best version of themselves and prove it every single week on the field. They have the opponents coming up to really showcase what they are and define the narrative for themselves when it comes to the 2021 season. Hey, Bills fans, this is Joe Marino with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, Get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Get Upside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account, and you can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. I'm joined now by Dr. Kyle Trimble of bangeduppills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at bangeduppills. He's a doctor of physical therapy, and he joins us each week to talk about the injury situation. And Kyle, first of all, thanks for uh, getting it done last week without me. I appreciate you taking the time to record the file and send it over. We weren't able to uh, sync up our schedules to record together, but uh, you still came through for the people. And so for that, I want to say thank you. It's all about the consistency. You guys deserve a consistent podcast, and I want to be part of that. Yeah, we, well, I appreciate that. That's definitely <laughs> one of my main objectives. And so you follow suit, and I appreciate that. All right, let's talk about the injury situation outside of the unfortunate players that are on the COVID list. We've got some players. It's a pretty lean list, which is good, but these are pretty important players. Let's start with linebacker Tremaine Edmonds and his hamstring injury missed last week. He has not practiced yet on Wednesday or Thursday. I probably don't feel too good about this, but maybe you have different thoughts. Edmonds has been really tricky. He hasn't practiced last week. We know he injured the hamstring in the Jaguars game because they said that. And the tricky thing about this, we don't know when he injured it because I went back and looked through the film, like I said last week, and it's not clear when he injured it. And whether this was just soreness or whether this is outright strain, we got to assume it's a minor strain because they didn't put him on injury reserve. If we're talking grade two, they would have set him on injury reserve for the time being. So we know he's day to day, which still means he's probably in that grade one range. But we know that if they come back too soon, they're going to have problems. And then they don't want to get him back too soon because then it's going to linger all year. I want to say he's trending in the wrong direction where he's not going to play. However, there's precedent for that. They've had Taiwan Jones, who granted he plays a much smaller portion of the game than Tremaine Edmonds does, where he didn't practice all week, had limited practice, and then had no designation going into, I believe it was a Titans game. Um, uh, Forgive me if I'm wrong on that. But they've had designations and precedent where they've shown that the guy doesn't have to practice, they get limited practice in and plays. One of the big factors that goes into Edmonds playing is, can they get by without him for another game? It seemed like AJ Klein did a pretty good job with that. And then also, too, they have the Thanksgiving game. Do you sacrifice not having Edmonds for the Colts game, where maybe you can get by for another one, and then bring him back for the 
Thanksgiving game, and then you have the extended mini break, if you will, to recover if there's a setback, or do you just try to have them play through and, and get back and, and play two games in one week there? So I wish I could tell you more insight what's going on with Edmonds. We know he's practicing off the side, at least going through the drills there, but we have to see what Friday brings, and it's just going to be a wait-and-see approach. I, I wish I had more for you, but I, I don't. Yeah, it's a challenging situation here with that quick turnaround to Thursday and then the long break before Monday Night Football against the Patriots. And you'd love to get through this stretch with a couple of wins if you can, but you know, obviously there's a lot to balance. I don't envy uh, the decisions ahead for Coach McDermott and his staff. And another decision to be made is one about another linebacker, Matt Milano, who has practiced all week in a limited capacities had the red non-contact jersey on but he has a shoulder injury and um i think he's probably going to be okay but uh, i want to hear from you on this from the looks of it the fact he's been limited the past two days is a good indicator of that this could be similar to what we saw with jordan poyer shoulder injury a few weeks ago um though the difference was poyer injured his shoulder in practice where milano he had to have injured his shoulder in the game on Sunday because he donned the red jersey prior to practice on Wednesday because that was one of the first things the uh, reporters had said, that he was a red non-contact jersey. So I went back through the film and looked. I didn't look at every single defensive play, but you tend to see if guys are struggling through the game, they sometimes I pull them out, they get uh, assessed by the trainers. Use just some clues during the game to see if something's going on there. Uh, from what I could tell, he was never assessed by the trainers. and this likely happened in the second half. He wasn't involved in a ton of plays. Like he was active with the plays, but there wasn't a ton of opportunities for the shoulder to be hit. He did get uh, hit pretty hard um, early in the fourth quarter, 12 20 left. He got popped pretty good by Ryan Griffin uh, on left shoulder and he popped right back up. He continued playing. I'm sure the adrenaline was going, but that was the only time where I felt that he really hit that shoulder hard where maybe he would have, um, injured it. Uh, there was other one other opportunity, which I can't recall off the top of my head, where he tackled uh, or attempted to tackle somebody and fell on the shoulder, uh, left one on the same side, and he popped right back up. So I don't know if it was something that kind of, hey, this hurts later, and we better just be conservative about it, or um, there was no over anything defined in the game that what, what caused it there. So uh, we might see um, the Kinesio tape on it. He might have a brace on it, though. I would lean toward them having the Kinesio tape because this is a lot for more range of motion in the shoulder and for all of them to play and then have an injection if he needs one uh, versus the brace, which we saw the limits of the brace last year when he's dealing with his pectoral injury. So he should play, but he might be leaning with that uh, potential right shoulder if it is indeed the left shoulder. All right, the last guy to talk about today is wide receiver Cole Beasley. He has a rib injury, and he practiced in a limited capacity on Thursday. He didn't practice on Wednesday, but Wednesday is typically his normally scheduled vet day off. And so I wonder if that you know, was a contributing factor in him not participating Wednesday, back limited on Thursday. But there's certainly something going on with this man's ribs. You can tell, uh, certainly watching him play last week, and you know they – played McKinsey a lot more in the slot. And then you think about this coming game against Indianapolis and they have one of the best slot corners in the NFL and Kenny Moore. And it just makes me wonder, you know, if uh, this is an opportunity that they may sit Beasley, but uh, I'll defer to your expertise here. He's clearly doing something. I mean, he ha this happened a few weeks ago. He took the really hard shots to the left side and he took two really hard shots, I should say. Um, 
they even came out in the press game or pre- post game press conference afterward and said they were just trying to get him through the game. He only had nine snaps total, and he was mostly involved late in the first half there. So um, he's probably a guy who doesn't want to sit. We saw that last year when he had a partial break in his fibula, and he played through that, which was insane to think about. He doesn't want to sit, I'm sure. There might be contract implications with that, too, you know, games played or repetitions, um, or excuse me, I should say re- receptions. So there might be some playing with that, but he might just be a gamer and just say, I'm going to go out and play, do whatever I can. Um, if they took the same approach to where maybe he gets in there for certain packages and tries to move the ball when he can instead of being out there constantly, I wouldn't be opposed to that. It worked pretty pretty well last week with McKenzie, but he needs to get right. We were in him later in the season, and if he sits out this game or just doesn't play a whole bunch, I'm okay with that. But now that we're seeing this go farther and farther out, I'm willing to bet that there's probably some type of break in there or there's a lot of uh, damaged cartilage that he just continues to try to heal up there. But um, it, it can't be fun for him, but he's getting paid millions of dollars. So maybe it's, it's worth it to him. So oh, he's a tough guy. We saw that last year with when, what he played through in the playoffs and you know, he's, he's battling through it right now, but uh, I guess that's it for this time. Hopefully next time we speak after a short turnaround to uh, the Thanksgiving game that there's, even less to talk about. Uh, we do appreciate you joining us each week to get us ready for the game from the injury perspective. Again, he's Dr. Kyle Trimble. Bangedupbills.com is a website. You can follow him in Twitter at bangedupbills. Thanks again. Thank you, Joe. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it doesn't taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or just plain hard to choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in protein, so all the healthy benefits on top of just being purely delicious. And another great thing about Built Bar is, There are so many mouth-watering flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, double chocolate, cherry, so many great flavors. And in fact, this month, Built is coming out with a new limited-time flavor every three to four days. So make sure you check out their website often and don't miss out. Of course, I got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBar.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, there are so many great sports on every single day right now, and the best place to place all your bets is over at betonline.ag. Head to their new website. They've updated it. They have tons of great odds, props, and contests, and if you sign up today, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code LOCKEDON. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and bet online is where the game starts. All right, folks, it is prediction time. I've got four of them for you this week when it comes to what I think is going to happen on Sunday between the Bills and the Colts. Let's start with my first prediction. I believe that Stefan Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders will each have over 75 receiving yards. 
This is one of those games where the opportunities are going to be there in the passing game, especially on the outside, where I think the Colts have very average corners and very below average safeties. Now, they have a really, really good slot corner in Kenny Moore, and I think that he will neutralize Cole Beasley, who you know is battling his own rib injury right now. But the opportunities on the outside, I think, are going to be there for the Bills' passing attack. And I I feel very certain that Josh Allen is going to continue working the football to Stephon Diggs and that Emmanuel Sanders will also complement that effort this week. And they're both going to be very productive. I mean, this would have happened last week if two of Emmanuel Sanders' big catches down the field weren't negated due to penalties. So I expect a heavy dose of Diggs, and I expect a heavy dose of Sanders, and for them both to have over 75 yards receiving on Sunday. Number two, the Colts' offense is hot right now. They've averaged over 30 points per game over their last seven games. They scored 27, 25, 31, 30, 31, 45, and 23 over their last seven. My prediction is that the Bills hold them to under 24 points. So 24 points or under is my prediction. The Bills' defense is really friggin' good. And I like a lot about what the Colts have on offense. Obviously, a really good offensive line. A nice young receiver in Michael Pittman. Jonathan Taylor is in the conversation to be the best running back in the NFL. But I like this Bills' defense. I like how sound it is. I like how secure it is in coverage. I like the defensive line rotation. So I don't think this is a week where the hot Colts offense continues, just like the hot Jets offense didn't continue against the Bills. So give me the Bills holding the Colts to 24 points or less on Sunday. Number three, the winner of the turnover battle wins the game. We've talked about this. The Bills and Colts are number one and number two in the NFL When it comes to takeaways, number one and number two in the NFL when it comes to turnover differential. It's going to be a big factor in this game. And so whoever wins the turnover battle will win the game. If it's even, give me the Bills. If the Colts have a turnover advantage, I don't like that. Lastly, do I think the Bills win or lose? I think the Bills win this game. I think the Bills return home a very focused, hungry football team, and wins this game. you got to look at the X factors for the teams in this one. For the Colts, it's about controlling the game with the rushing attack. They have dynamic return guys and a stout front seven. Now, that's a little concerning because that's exactly what led to the Bills losing against Pittsburgh, and that's what led to the Bills losing against Tennessee in a lot of ways. So that recipe has worked against the Bills, but are they really going to let it happen to them again? What are the Bills' X factors? Josh Allen, a dynamic passing attack against a weak secondary, and a defense in Buffalo that has been lights out literally all year. I like that. I like that script more than the Colts' script of, well, we got to dominate with the rushing attack. We got to hope for a big play on special teams. We got to hope that our secondary can hold up against 
Josh Allen and Steph Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders. Bills are at home. I like that. So I predict the Bills win on Sunday. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think the Colts are a good football team. We've talked about them all week. I think you could probably sense the amount of respect I have for what they offer. But I like the Bills. All right, for my NFL draft prospects to watch this Saturday with an eye towards the Buffalo Bills, I've got some players you need to keep an eye on. So at 12 p.m., fire up your TV, turn it on to ABC, Michigan State against Ohio State, a big game in terms of the Big Ten race and obviously the college football playoffs. And I normally give you one prospect, but I want to give you several here. And a lot of them are guys that I've told you to watch before, and I have one new name for you. So um, as far as refresher guys, watch Ohio State left guard Thera Munford. I think he embodies everything the Bills are looking for in a left guard. Size, athleticism, power, played left tackle, played left tackle really well last year, kicked inside the guard, has been just as good. And I think his power on the interior has really showed up. I think he would be a plug-and-play starting left guard for the Bills next year if they were to pick him in the first round. He's one of my favorite offensive linemen in this class. Obviously, both Ohio State wide receivers, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, I think are tailor-made Buffalo Bills wide receivers for the passing game that the Bills want to run, so keep your eye on them. Obviously, Kenneth Walker, the running back from Michigan State, I told you to watch him against Michigan, and my goodness, did he he perform well. So check him out in this one. Um, you know, Obviously, if the Bills were to consider a running back maybe on day two, you'd love to get a guy like Kenneth Walker and his contact balance and his vision and his ability to run inside and outside. I mean, he's a really dynamic player. The new name this week is Ohio State defensive tackle Haskell Garrett. Um, interior player. Has some athleticism. He's a streaky guy. He's been a bit flashy, a bit up and down, but in terms of a mid-round defensive tackle prospect, I think he's worth paying attention to, and I think we'll learn a lot about him against Michigan State, who wants to run the football, and so seeing how he holds up at the point of attack and if he can make an impact as a pass rusher will be a good thing to watch. At 3.30 p.m., CBS, Arkansas versus Alabama, big game in the SEC. If Alabama wins... They clinched their ticket to the SEC championship game for a date with the Georgia Bulldogs. So a big game for Alabama, and you know Arkansas would love nothing more but to spoil their hopes for an SEC title game appearance. Now, obviously, Alabama can win next week against Auburn and still go to the SEC championship game, but they want to take care of their business this week and stack some wins and, you know, do their thing in terms of solidifying their position in the college football playoffs. Anyways, the player to watch is Arkansas defensive tackle number 99, John Ridgeway. Six foot six, 320 pounds. He is a tank against the run. He leveled up this year. He was previously at Illinois State. He came to the SEC. He's proven he belongs with the best of the best. He just accepted his senior bowl invitation, and um, I'm excited to see him against Alabama. Obviously a really good interior offensive line, a good running back in Brian Robinson, a dynamic passing attack. But uh, Ridgeway is a type of guy that, as a one technique, would really, really fit well with the Bills. And, you know, obviously they've got some questions there in terms of Harrison Phillips, Vernon Butler, and Justin Zimmer all being free agents. And so I think they're probably going to draft an interior defensive lineman at some point. And so when you're talking middle rounds, 
John Ridgway is a type of player that makes a lot of sense. At 7.30 p.m. on ABC, you get Oregon versus Utah, another big game in terms of the college football playoff picture and you know the Pac-12 standings. Oregon right now is in a take-care-of-your-business-and-you're-in-the-playoffs type situation, so their biggest test remaining is probably this Utah team, and I want you to check out Utah left guard Nick Ford, wears number 55, 6'5", 317 pounds, uh, switched over from center recently this year, and he's played a lot of positions. I mean, he's played literally every spot up front, which I think has been detrimental to him really developing at one position and learning the technique and nuances that makes you great at one spot. But I think he has a home here at left guard where I think he settled in as both a pass blocker and a run blocker. He has good body control. He executes with an edge. You can really see him getting after people. I like his temperament. And he's good on the move, so he's really athletic and he's powerful. And um, I think he's a guy that will benefit once he solidifies one position and you see the full breadth of his talent on display. I think that comes at left guard where we all know that the Bills need some help. And so Oregon's a, a good football team. They have a good defensive line, and so it'll be a good test for Nick Ford. Again, another mid-round type player. We've talked about prospects every single week, so I'm kind of running out of you know the premier guys at positions of need for the Bills. but. You know, I think it's it's worthwhile to, to still mention some of these mid-round talents. And, and Nick Ford out of Utah, left guard, 55, he is one to watch on Sunday. So I tried to give you some big-time games here that have big implications on the college football playoffs and conference standings and give you a player from each game or a player or two from each game to uh, focus in on. And so hopefully that will continue to help you get ready for the 2022 NFL Draft and some of the prospects that I think could be on the Bills radar. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast, but don't miss tomorrow. Tailgate talk with Kristen Kimmick. It'll be a great conversation and uh, don't miss it. So make sure you're subscribed, rate, review, and share the podcast. A big shout out to so many of you that have now taken the time to uh, give a five-star rating and a quick review. I see that a lot of you have uh, done that this week. And so that doesn't go unnoticed. I really, really, really appreciate it. So have a great rest of your day and come back for Tailgate Talk tomorrow.